This is episode 114 of Reconcile the Isle. What on earth is going on? Rocket Man. Puerto Rico. Russia, 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 Russia. Eight accusers. Several allegations. Thousands of cases. Charlottesville. Horrific shooting. Deadly school shooting. The third deadly mass shooting in a week. Category four. California wildfires. Entire ecosystems are collapsing. Government shutdown. I've never seen this country divided like this. This is astounding to me. Reconcile the Isle. Welcome to Reconcile the Isle, where my characters and I are figuring out how we can have meaningful dialogue about difficult topics. My name is Lauren Lovjudice. Today, we're going to speak with special guest Richard Gretzinger, a photographer and cinematographer with a very cool project called The Vulnerability Project. But first, let's go to our Stupid People segment. For those of you who are new here, it's the part of the podcast where we salute stupidity. Because what unites us across all boundaries of race, religion, political party, nationality, sexual orientation, what unites the world is that we hate stupid people. So here's our segment, Stupid People with my dad. We're in this world now. It's it's 2020. All right. We're in the 21st century. And People could work from home. I mean, it's 50 years ago, 51 years ago that we put a man on the moon. Everybody has a computer because everybody's got a phone. There's three-year-old kids that have uh, iPhone 11s nowadays and everything. They don't have to do everything. I mean, people can figure out all kinds of shit on things. Everything is so technical, but no assholes know how to use the fucking left and right turn signal on their fucking car. So you don't know where they're fucking going. You know, you get behind a guy, but you, he don't have his signal on, so you're just thinking he's gonna go straight, which is the way you're going. And so you're waiting behind him, waiting behind him, and then you find out that the asshole wants to make a turn. So this is not a big one, but that's like a two rectum job. Wow, people are just so stupid. Now let's get to the interview with our special guest, Richard Gretzinger. And he's going to talk to us today about his project, The Vulnerability Project. Now, it's obviously about vulnerability, and he uses photography to examine how vulnerability leads to connection in our very disconnected world. He's been overwhelmed with the responses he's received. He's photographed people from all walks of life, and how he does it is he sits them down and has intimate conversations about life, fears, regrets, love, and joy. And then he snaps photos at just moments that he intuitively feels are interesting. He will have at a gallery show, he's done this before, he has put a mirror and post-it notes and a pen, and then people write right in. It's very, very poignant, some of the notes, and you get to see some of them on the VIP group, as well as some of the photos that we talk about in this interview. Go up to laurenlogie.com slash podcast to become a podcast VIP and you get access to see all of all of those items and stick around until the end and we'll talk more about it. If you wondered if it's a possibility to talk about and be vulnerable and celebrate vulnerability in the Shark Tank, that is social media. You're going to want to hear this episode. My co-host Melania Trump can't actually be on the interview today because she's quarantined in the glam room, but I'm going to give her a call so she can make some White House updates for us. Hello, Reconcile the Isles. Here's everything going on in the White House. Donald keeps having nightmares that Obama is more liked than him. He calls me in my separate bedroom. Oh, I'm so sick of playing that baby shark song to calm him down. 
My Donald tweeted something about a prophecy recently. Oh, I can explain this. See, my Donald puts so much ketchup on his well-done steak that he goes into trance and starts tweeting and muttering. I'm not sure how accurate his prophecy is because he also prophesied that I would enjoy our next sex appointment. All right, be best and you can see my other be best updates over at the melaniashow.com. Be best and bye. All right, so let's go to the interview with Richard Gretzinger. Welcome, Richard, to Reconcile the Isle. Hello, welcome. <laughs> all right. Um, first of all, I think it'd be interesting to hear um, how we met, because that is that basically tells the story of the Vulnerability Project. Right. Uh, I've been doing this personal photography project for a couple of years now, and I had an awesome exhibit at an awesome place that has very serendipitous magic associated with it called the Random Tea Room, uh, Northern Liberties in Philadelphia. And uh, I believe that's where you saw the show. Yes, I saw this um, group of photographs on the wall, all very real, poignant moments. And people were just so honest in how they were presenting themselves. And it was very striking to me. And there was also a part of it. There was a mirror. And then you can write, you can look in the mirror and then write down what you're vulnerable about, right? Is that the question? Sure. Or anything, really. Yeah. Comments, questions, yeah. anything. But vulnerability is basically the gist of the whole project. Yes. And then... People could put those, write it down and then put it on the wall. And it was just such like an interactive way for people to like be reminded that other people are vulnerable and also dip into their own. So tell us how you came up with the vulnerability project. <laughs> wow. How much time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually, it was two years ago, probably like a month ago, um, sitting in my therapist's office, going through sort of like a midlife ish crisis, just trying to find direction, just trying to find, you know, do do my regrets outweigh my accomplishments or vice versa? And uh, I brought my portfolio of images with me and I'm just I do a lot of different things. You know, um, my main day job, I'm a camera operator, cinematographer, uh, movies, commercials, documentaries. I have my own production company that works with the arts and nonprofits and really cool organizations. And I love taking photographs. I've been a photographer for over 30 years and I've been all over the world documenting all different types of things. And I really don't have that focus. My focus is I love everything. I love these beautiful moments that I can capture. And if it's a, if it's a bird or, or a person or a sunset or someone, you know, doing a layup. Yeah, it's all part of it. So she's peering through my images and she arrives at this one. And it's, uh, it's a picture of this Andean girl in a schoolhouse that I took on assignment for uh, this nonprofit called Multicultural Youth Exchange. And we used art or the nonprofit used art as like a universal communicator to sort of like break barriers, especially children. And it was a response to 9-11. Basically, why are we like this? Why are we so divided? And uh, it was this little beautiful moment that I just captured. And I didn't really think much of it. And she kind of looks up at me and there was a little bit of a tear in her eye. And she goes, vulnerability, your work speaks of vulnerability. And I'm like, hmm. And it just so happens that that morning, that kind of was reaffirmed because one of the images that I shot during a basketball uh, game made it to Sports Center, made it on, made it on air. And the sports caster who was at the desk was commenting about this moment that I captured. And it was a tearful moment because it was a senior 
Uh, it was a college basketball game and a senior was coming off of the court and she was crying. And this was the last time this person's going to play mm-hmm. basketball for that college because it's the tournament. It's the end of the tournament. It was the finals of the tournament. And the coach is crying. She's crying. It was like a beautiful yeah. moment. And it made the announcer cry a little bit. <laughs> so I'm like, wow. So full circle, I'm sitting in the therapist's office. She says vulnerability and it just clicked. So she says, do you know who Brene Brown is? And I'm like, no, I do not. She's just like, I'm going to send you a TED Talk. So I went home, watched the TED Talk, blew me away, got her book. Uh, Brene is a writer, social worker, uh, writer, speaker. She does a lot of different things. And I, I got her book called Braving the Wilderness, and I read it in like three hours. And it really just kind of spoke to me about where I was in my life, where I was with me, with my photography and what I needed to do to sort of break out of this rut I was in. And it was all about being vulnerable with myself as a photographer and as a person who felt disconnected. We live in this world. We have these devices that connect us to everything and everybody, but we're living more disconnected than ever. And that's what I felt. I'm like, what do I need to connect? And everything that I read and, and thought about since that you know, since that word vulnerability entered my head was about that. So that night I typed up the, this, this project outline and I just put it out on social media, you know, all my friends and whoever. And, uh, literally overnight I had like a dozen people that are like, Hmm, I'm interested. I want to do this. And basically what it is, it's, I create space for people and we talk and it's like a four or five hour conversation and it's not therapy. I'm not a therapist, but it's sort of like getting people to sort of be okay. And then at some point the camera comes out. And at first I was just taking pictures like I normally do. But after a while it became the camera's just secondary. It's there recording this like really cool conversation that we're having. And at a point when I feel intuitively that the person is sort of like, breathing a little bit and relaxing a little bit and being sort of like real and vulnerable and talking about whatever it is. That's what vulnerability means to them, whether it's good or bad or traumatic or joyful, Mm -hmm. an image happens. And I post that image. And with the image, the quote comes along with it because we distill through this conversation, what we were talking about, what was this core of this vulnerability or this vulnerable moment that I capture. And that's the most important part of it, because then the image has context. It's you see the person and you have this feeling when you see it and then you read the quote and then hopefully that makes you gel. Do you think the quote came at the same time the image was taken? Ha. What happens in my editing process is I have a pretty decent memory, but I also record the conversations. So I kind of go to that section, that time when I felt this happening Mm -hmm. You know, intuitively that the person was sort of being really mm-hmm. vulnerable or really real or really kind of like breaking through like masks or mm-hmm. or hiding behind some kind of, you know, persona to sort of like look a different mm-hmm. way. And like I said, it's an intuitive thing with me and it just happens. It just clicks. It's funny because people contact me. It's like, I want to send you an image of me and my quote. And I'm like, yeah, OK, I'm all for people doing this. And um, by no means, there's no copyright to this idea at all. I want other people to do this. And and I see other people doing this type of work. And I love the fact that they're doing it. But I'm like, it's the interaction. It's it's the point of view. It's filtered through me and my eyes is what the project's about. Could you describe I know it's I know it's intuitive, but could you describe what it's like when you see a photo that really 
speaks to you and you feel is very vulnerable? A normal photo shoot could be anywhere between, <laughs> I think the fewest was four images, four shutter clicks, and the most was 700. <laughs> Living in a digital age, it's it's easy for you to get away. And the, and the 700 was a really amazing individual who really imbibed this project really well. And she really wanted to explore everything good about vulnerability. And uh, yeah, and that was an amazing day, you know, just different locations. And I just let her explore and I just clicking the shutter, you know, because there were so many of these awesome moments. And I wish I could devote an entire like, like show just to that day because it was amazing. So when I come home and usually it's as quick as possible, you know, I can get onto the computer. And now because uh, technology, I can literally download the images right from my phone to my iPad. It's, it's a wireless connection that occurs and I can just start streaming through it. And I get to that. Usually I kind of really quickly bypass the first yeah. like hundred photos or the first 10 or the first yeah. one or two, because I know it's just getting things started. And I start to think about the conversation and, and what really spoke to me in that conversation. And sometimes I kind of like think about the timing, you know, wow, this is really good when it's happening. And I try to come back to that because all the images are timestamped too. So I kind of like look in that time frame. And I just, I, I can't explain it. It's an intuitive process that it happens when I look at it and I'm thinking about the person and I'm recalling the information that we talked about and what that person was saying to me. And then an image just, or two or three images just kind of call out to me. Is it like how people like they look different than they present to the world? Like you're seeing their mask fall away a bit. Is that it? I think yes, because some of these people I've never met before either. You know, like yourself, you know, it's like meeting you. We had a conversation before the actual photo shoot, yeah. but sometimes I don't have that luxury, you know, or sometimes I only know people from their like online personas. So like meeting someone for the first time and then having that, you know, sort of like be the context. I don't have that mask. You know, that's why I think it's easy for strangers to be a little bit more open with strangers. You know, Brene Brown talks about, uh, you know, we need to cry more with strangers. That's going to save the world because I think it's easier, you know, when you have a when you have a stranger sort of like no one knows about my baggage or my background. And, and it's a little bit easier to be open. But I've done this with friends, too, and people that are really, really close with. And those conversations have been real meaningful because it's brought us closer together. It's brought a level of intimacy. And I mean that word in the least sexual term that it can be, but it's sort of like, you know, when friends can really just sort of like, hey, this is me at my bare bones, you yeah. know what I mean? Accept me for that. And when you can arrive at that moment, it's just yeah. amazing. It is. And I wonder like now we've, we, we've spoken a lot about how people um, have a harder time communicating and learning how to be intimate with other people because of all of the social media and how much time we're spending away from interacting. Right now, we're recording this in the thick of the coronavirus. Oh, maybe the beginning. We don't know of the coronavirus pandemic. If you're listening to this and the earth is you're listening to it in the airwaves from the, the rubble. <laughs> there it is in rubble. Hello. I hope everything's OK. Sorry about this. But, you know, now we're talking about social distancing and, and people are afraid. You know, you walked over here today um, and 
town's closed. You know, it's a big deal to even leave your house. So how do we be vulnerable in this time when we can't actually be in the same space that often? For me, it's not being afraid. As simple as that. It's not being scared. I mean, you have to be smart, right? But I'm not going to try to limit my interactions. We just find different ways, you know, and that's why uh, social media has become a little bit important for me, too, because now I find that the project has its own kind of life on Instagram right now. And it becomes a sort of like journal for me. I can get up in the morning and I can think about my thoughts and arrange something in a story or while I'm doing a post. And the nice thing about the post-it notes, the notes that people leave on my exhibit, is that not only can I post the note and what the note said, but then I can reflect on that, what that means to me, because that's that interaction. That's the whole gist of the project is interaction, is that people bear themselves or talk about themselves and they leave a quote and then people quote back. And then those people find, you know, a little bit more courage in being more vulnerable, you know, so it's just like an infectious kind of thing that happens, which is kind of funny because coronavirus, you know? So, so yeah. In some ways, like you're teaching like the online, so you're bringing vulnerability to the online space so that people can go offline and be more real. Well, it's all practice. We all need to practice more. We all need to practice just like being being real and not trying to. Yeah. I mean, social media is such a is such a minefield because, you know, you can be a persona. You can be someone who you're not. Yeah. You know, you can, you know, a lot of Instagram pages are just, you know, a hundred image, hundred of your best images ever. You know, the best way. Oh, let me edit that. Let me do that. You know, I try to be a little bit more more raw and real about things that I say and post. It was funny too, because I had a, a really awesome conversation with a woman down in Baltimore and a lot of her vulnerability was around the way she communicates. And she's an amazing writer. She writes raw and real things about herself and about her family. And that's what kind of attracted me to, to her, you know, and I just love reading her stories. It was such a, it was such a a raw, real comical way of like looking at life. And she was like, I'm worried about what people think about me when I write. I'm like, really? Because it does, it doesn't seem that way. Mm. And that was like the whole, you know, thing that was really interesting is like, do we, do I do it? I tried not to, but of course I'm thinking everything's got to be in some kind of context for people to understand what I'm coming from or what I'm calling out for. If I need something, if I need attention or reassurance that I'm on the right way, you know, or that I'm not fallible or failable or, Mm. you know, I wanted to read some of the post-it notes. Is that okay? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Because there's really, really powerful. And these are people, strangers will write this and pin it to the board. Right. Do you want me to give it a quick context really sure. quick? So, so anyway, so I was having a, there was a show at, at a Third Street Gallery coming up and that's why I sort of wanted to do new work. So, so the whole idea was not only to post vulnerable moments with people and there was a self-portrait, so I had myself included in the show, but then I brought up, hey, I want to have a mirror and I ha- want to have people comment back. And during the curation meeting, all the other photographers are sitting around in this, you know, we're trying to figure out how this show's going together. I'm like, really? You want people to comment? What if they're bad comments? I'm like, yes, I want bad comments. I want people to communicate. I want to be as vulnerable with, you know, tell me I suck. Tell me this work isn't meaningful. Tell me these people are just grandstanding for attention. You know, tell me all that. I want to know. And they were like, okay. 
let's we'll, we'll try it. And it was it was a success because the the first night there was over 100 notes left. And by the end of the show, it was a month long show. Uh, it was in Old City. So it was a, a good location in Philadelphia. There was over 600 notes left. Shit. Yeah. And I was I'm, I'm still filtering through. And then wow. and then I had another show at uh, House of Peace with uh, Project Home Folks. And then I had the the uh, random tea room show, the random tea room show. You know, another hundred some notes were left. And some of them were I, I was in tears. I was bawling my eyes out. There was there was one note. This was probably within the first week of the of, of the first show at Third Street Gallery. And. It was a response to my self-portrait. Now, my self-portrait is is a picture of my of my hand reaching out to a reflection in the sun of the sun uh, in a lake, and uh, it kind of speaks to my uh, sort of like battle with depression. You know, the sort of like the type of person I've been my entire life. I've tried to be more guarded about my depression. You know, but it kind of speaks with that. It, it, and and the quote that kind of came along with it said that depression doesn't diminish a person's desire to connect with other people, just their ability. And mm -hmm. the note that was left, here's the post. Um, I stopped by the gallery today to check on my exhibit and found this note. It really speaks to the reasons why I began. Sorry, I'm going to get a little teary eyed reading Please, this. Hey, it's very <laughs> it really speaks. It really speaks to the reason why I began this project. I'm like, thank you, gallery sitter 812, because that was the, that was the, the person who left the note. The, I was deeply moved. So the quote goes, so the self-portrait uh, that I was referring to was called The Me. It's called Entitled Me. So the quote goes, I read me from your exhibit. Instantly, I looked at the image and felt the message so clearly and deeply. I understand why my mother could not express her love for me. She was not able to, but she did love me. Thank you with all of my heart. Mm. I'm like, Wow. Really, Ser you know, on the wall of a yeah, gallery, yeah. leaving a note yeah. that I mean, that's what the, sh the, the the project's about. It's sort of like that kind of connection. It's like we all are wired for struggle. We all are wired to feel this way. Why do we run away from it? You know, yeah. why do we put up yeah. all these barriers? Ooh. Why do we wear these masks? And this is something that Brene talks about. Why do we hustle? You know, yeah. the, the more things that we try to hustle ourselves, you know, creates more energy trying to keep up that persona. Why mm -hmm. not just kind of just let it go? Let it go. Yeah. 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 And each person that does this leaves a note or leaves a quote and other people feel like, oh, wait a minute, more courageous. And it yeah. sort of like I get it, you know? Yeah. It's like a cathartic response and like this is what I try to do with my characters. Like I try desperately to bring people like blog humans of different different persuasions together and show them how fucked up they are and but lovable in some way there's some empathetic quality even like for instance driving with dad where uh, angry dad's screaming out the window at everyone passing by but you know he loves his kids and so you think you you like him and you also like identify with what they're what they're going through in some way even though they're ridiculous it's what i try to do i don't know it, it's it comedy's tough because you because people are laughing and then you hope someone is getting the underlying message. And that's like with so much like that's why I love this project because it's so direct. Be vulnerable. <laughs> right. But it's just like anything. You you especially comedy, because if you share a moment 
that other people can recognize for yeah. its absurdness, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. In their own lives, it makes it that much funnier. It's like that whole Jerry Seinfeld thing, standing in line at a, at a, at a Chinese restaurant. That's funny. Why? Because we've all been there doing the same exact thing, you know? And that's what vulnerability is about. It's like we've all been there doing the exact same thing. So why are we freaking beating ourselves up over it? Why yeah. are we, why are we yeah. killing ourselves over it? Why are we, why are we struggling over it when it's just, that's the way we are? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Here's some other, the, the, the post-its. Letting myself feel sadness without trying to make it go away. It's not easy. I'm new at this. I keep thinking there's something wrong with me for feeling this way. Um, right. Right? Yeah. I'm the most vulnerable when trying to compare myself with others. I can't help doing it. Oh my God, this person's speaking to me. Don't know why I always need external validation to feel worthwhile. Just complete. Compliqué. I can't. <laughs> yeah. C'est compliqué. C'est yeah. compliqué. I'm like, c'est compliqué. I'm so queens. <laughs> oh, goodness. Ah, oh, I feel that. Ah. Oh. Even if you go through something, when someone, when you see someone else going through it, you're like, like, I try and I tend to not give a fuck as much anymore what people think of me, but, you know, and wanting that validation. And that's like what we talked about in our conversation. But yeah, just seeing that just connects you to that part of you that was struggling with that. It's very, it's very powerful. One more. I worry people will leave me. So I put it on a mask that makes it seem like I have it all together so that I don't push people away. Deep down, I long for unconditional connection. This should be on the front page of Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And that was, that was an important note for me because it really, actually, it really spoke to me. Yeah. It really spoke to me in, in a time when things weren't going right, uh, with a lot of different things. And, yeah. and that's why I love this project because it's yeah. sort of like they're on the days that I struggle, I sort of like open yeah. up and like, Oh, wait a minute. Here's a note I'm going to talk about. So if you pull up that note, not only did I write the note, but then I yes. journaled about it. I sort of did a yeah. response to it. And that was sort of like a huge outpouring. Yeah. So talk about how it's like affected you. Cause you, we've talked about how you use this as a way to almost like journal yourself and how has this project changed how you look at the world? I try to practice vulnerability more, even in my, in my day job, you know, even as a cinematographer or camera operator, you know, there's a certain level of hustle you have to be when you're working in a professional setting, you know, you have to make sure your shit's all together because the producer, director, you know, People with the money are looking at you not to screw up their images. You know what I mean? So there's this persona that you have to have. But I've sort of like learned to sort of drop that a little bit and learn to be more real or learn to step into moments. I had this moment and this has never happened to me before, but I'm mounting a lens on a camera and there was a cap inside the, uh, the sensor region that I didn't notice because it was dark. And when I was mounting the lens, it cracked the front element of the lens. And this was probably like a $200,000 piece of glass. Luckily, it was just the rear element. And that's probably like a three, four, $500 piece that can be replaced. But still, I freaked out. So I went to the, uh, the production people, you know, the producer, tech manager. And I said, hey, I think I broke a lens. And, and the, the equipment guy was like, oh, no, that probably came off of a... We packed that last night, you know, it was fast and, you know, it probably happened. I'm like, no, I think it was me. He's like, no, 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 it's, it's totally okay. And, and, and I'm like, I'm trying to like fess up for this. I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be vulnerable. I'm trying to be, you know, like the hustler part of me, you know, uh, before I probably would have said, all right, it probably was 
you know, but I'm, but I'm 99.999% sure I broke that lens. And, and I just kind of like, I fessed up to it. And, and the, the producer came up to me and he put, he, he put my arm around me. He's just like, yeah, dude, you know, sometimes we have bad days and I'm like, you know, thank you for being honest about it, you know? Yeah. And, and it's fine because the, the lens tech is, is going to fix it and no worries, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, wow, you know, I just bring space to whenever I show up. So one of the toughest jobs that I do feature films. So when you shoot a feature, you're entranced with a group of people for 30 to 90 to, you know, 120 days, especially if you get on to the project early and you and the director are sort of like, and, uh, I've gone through, I've shot about eight feature films, none of them like hugely successful, but still, you know, they're bodies of work that I'm proud of. And you have to have a lot of emotional energy, you know, when you enter in a project like that. And it's kind of tough to sort of like be in that space. So I sort of like put myself out of that for a little bit. And uh, someone approached me last year about shooting a project. And I'm like, you know what? At first I was terrified because I didn't want to get back into doing that kind of work. But I'm like, yeah, I definitely want to do this. I want this to be the the, the most vulnerable project that I've ever worked on. I want to be more vulner vulnerable with the way I interact on a feature film set. And, and it was the most amazing experience because the whole team was all on, on board and, and the direction that we took with the camera work and the, the camera and lens selection and everything, it just, it, I breathe through it. I just created space and I just let people do their things and just watch for these like really cool moments to happen. It was very transcendental. It was sort of like there's beauty everywhere, yeah. you know, just kind of like slow down and like capture this, these moments. And it was a month of a lot of long days, but we, we did it. And it was like a really gratifying, rewarding, really you know, both creatively and personally because of this practice I have mm -hmm. with just talking to people and yeah. being real and, and owning up to who you are and mistakes that you make. Yeah. And yeah, it was an amazing experience. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's cool. I remember you talking about that. Yeah. So it's, it's filtered in basically how you work. Right. I, lo I love that you said day job, which most, for most people is like something very, but you do very cool stuff. <laughs> you do very, a very cool body of work, which I'll say. Well, my job, I, you're right. I shouldn't even <laughs> censor. I shouldn't even say day job, but it's, it, it's, it's what I do. Yeah. yeah. It's what I do, but it's hard to explain to what do you do? And like, yeah. well, if there's a camera involved, yeah. I kind of do it. So you kind of <laughs> capture humanity. That's what you. Well, and that's just it. I mean, that's sort of what this project has taught me. It's sort of brought focus to what I do. Yeah. And it is. And I talk about Thoreau and Emerson and Alcott, you know, all these transcendental artists who, you know, and writers who, who always saw the beauty in the mundane. I'm like, that's what vulnerability has taught me about myself mm -hmm. is that that's what I always did. I always found the beauty in the mundane, the beauty in the beauty too. But yeah, I, I try to slow down and like, look and like, wow, look at the way the sun is hitting off of that building right now. Or look at the way this little flower is blowing in the wind or yeah. the way the smoke and, you know, or the way the, the, the this yeah. basketball player is coming off of the court, crying her eyes out. You know, yeah, it's like, yeah. these are the really cool moments that mean a lot to me and hopefully other people. All right. Speaking of other people, a lot of different types of people are attracted to this work. Um, can you speak on that? 
Sure. I mean, all walks of life, all ages, colors, creeds, religions, uh, everything. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't censor whoever wants to be part of it is, is a part of it. I'll try to go anywhere. Baltimore and New York is, is sort of been my, you know, the, 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 the limit right now. Uh, but I'm thinking about, you know, what are the next steps? What can we do to sort of like get me on the road and sit with people more? Yeah, that's interesting. It's because we try to on this podcast figure out how we can learn to have more meaningful dialogue. And it seems like your project really just pulls from so many different parts of the world, like, I mean, human experience that one first step is getting in touch with your vulnerableness <laughs> at the core. I mean, that's maybe if we all were a little bit more vulnerable, could we all, and we recognize that in other people, can we scream at them as much? Right. Yeah. It's hard to hate people close up. I think that's a, another Brene Brown quote, yeah, so, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> Yes. Seriously. Yes. Yeah. Talking. If Donald Trump was sitting here with us, I bet we'd have a kind of a cool conversation. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know if I'd really tell him how I feel about a lot of stuff. But, you know, as like yeah. a person, if I didn't know he was Donald Trump and he was sitting next to me on a plane and I've been on a lot of planes, I've traveled yeah. a lot of distance in yeah. my lifetime. And I don't know. I've talked to a lot of different people. Yeah. You know, I've talked to people from both states, from both uh, parties, let's just say, uh, from both colors, red and blue. And everybody's got a uniqueness to them. And I try to celebrate that more and more. And I try to like give people a little bit of like space. I'm sorry, I keep saying space, yeah. but yeah, it's like, all right, uh, what you're saying, I don't agree with, but talk to me a little bit more, yeah. you know? And sometimes those are the biggest obstacles we need to get through. Mm -hmm. Uh, Brene talks about this book that was done. Sorry, I'm probably going to get it wrong. I think it was called The Sort, but it was a, a writer who was looking at uh, polling districts in the Deep South during the, uh, I think it was the, the the Reagan or the Carter administration, all the way up to the Trump administration and how the makeup of the districts were. And a long time ago, don't quote me on these <laughs> on these statistics because they're probably wrong. But I think it was like up to 80 percent diverse, like the, the, the diversity in a red state. Your neighbors may not agree with you, but you still went to church with them. You still went to the, the soccer with your kids yeah. and your kids play together. You were neighbors and you still liked each other, even though you didn't have the same ways, the same yeah. views on way our, our country should be ruled by which yeah. which type of party. So that diversity has shifted. It's been it's I think it's up to 20 percent now. So everybody that you live with thinks exactly the way you yeah. think. And social media is doesn't help because social media is what it's all people that you like or your friends. So, of course, they're going to echo that. Yeah. And then the social media algorithm that underlines this whole thing looks at all these things that you like and it's going to give you content that, that agrees with you. So you have no discourse. You have no anybody else that you respect telling you that, wait a minute, maybe you should reconsider what you're saying and thinking here. Yeah. You just are echoed the same things over and over again. And then the algorithm and the AI and all these things that are just targeting you to hopefully yeah. sell you something is just propagating that absurdness. I find it challenging on the creating comedy content angle where I feel like if I'm not going down a party line that and maybe the most basic element of what people are saying, especially within my Melania Trump impersonation, I don't get as many hits. It's like, 
the nuance is not favored by the algorithm. And that's a problem because people are getting simplistic explanations and not able to really dive deep into what they're the fuck they're talking about. It's it's really you know, I got shit from no matter what I do. And like for instance with Melania, people will say you make her too human. And then people say, other people say you're not political enough. <laughs> I feel like I'm pretty I do both I mean too human, what the hell does that mean? I mean she's a human. I mean it's not like she's like, oh she's half dog. You made you forget I mean and then I call her a dog, but you know, she's not actually, she's actually the species. She is a human. I cannot, it's frustrating. I feel like it speaks to the fact that we're so used to things being one way or the other, that the idea of kind of living in a middle zone somewhere is not favored by the way we live. And also the freaking algorithm. It's very frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> Did you still want to go over some pictures? Or we can do that. Yeah. Okay. So we have a special treat. We shot together about a few months ago, and we're going to go over how and why he picked some of the photos he picked. And you can actually see them at Vulnerability Photo Project. There's underscores between them, but just pop that into Instagram in the search and you'll jump right to it. Usually I don't send the images to the people before unless they request. And I'm okay with that either way. Uh, you know, at first I never really gave them the option, but now it's sort of like, uh, <laughs> yeah. So this was one that, that kind of stood out because it really like captured you in such a, because there was a certain, I don't want to say frazzledness <laughs> about you that morning, but when we first started talking, you were all over the place. You're like, this is, this is what I love and this is what I love doing. So when I do it, when I capture an image like this, and this is a little bit of a, a slow shutter speed, and I'm actually tweaking the mm. zoom feature of the lens. So I'm pulling out as I'm shooting. So it creates that kind of... Uh, so you chose it... Because you thought it just... Well, it, it really spoke to me because this is really you and a really good... To me, intuitively, this this is who you are. This is you. This is you not being a character. This is you yeah. sort of like, I'm getting uncomfortable and I'm like really having fun <laughs> yeah. talking about this. You know what I mean? So if that's something you tie into whenever you portray a character, whenever you do yeah. something, that's real to me, you know? Yeah. So if, I think in the end, that's... I don't know. I, I can't speak for everybody. But I think I'm gravitated to people who are real, even when they're acting, you know, yeah. when they can tie something. And I've been behind the camera on a lot of different types of projects with a lot of different stars from all different walks and calibers. And I've worked with some really, really, really amazing actors who can really get a sense on. And if it's the training, then the best training in the world. But I really think that it's they're, they're pulling something out of them. Yeah. They're really, if it's a poignant scene and they need to cry, they're really finding a moment in their life that really made them sad. And I get teary high behind. It's hysterical because I'll be in the, in the lens, you know, my eye on the eyepiece and it'll be like tearing up. And I'm like, I can't tear up because if it goes out of focus, someone's yeah. got to say something. Well, in fact, oh, you want to hear a funny story? When the Eagles won the Super Bowl and they did the parade, I was the cameraman directly opposite the podium on the wow. tight shot for the NBC broadcast, which I think ABC had a camera too, but we were the only two cameras that were directly, you know, wow. me and, and my friend Seth was a wider, wider shot. And yeah, so I was the tight shot during the Jason Kelsey speech. Right. And he's going off saying, we're not good enough. Everyone said we weren't going to be anything. And 
oh my God. And he's just letting it all out there, man. I'm crying in this eyepiece because it's, he's being real. Yeah. He's being exactly. He's like, no one likes this and we don't care. And we did this because, you know what I mean? And that's what vulnerability in sports is all about. People like yeah. you know, sport people can't be vulnerable. And sports people are the most vulnerable because they've uh, gone through so much, yeah. so much to get where they are, especially when they've gone through, you know, such adversity, you know, and being told that they're not good enough and things like that. Yeah. So, yeah. So and then this is my life. I ran, I run into Jason Kelsey the next day at Honey's oh, wow. sitting on 4th Street. And I sat down with him and we had a little discussion. <laughs> <laughs> about oh about that speech yeah. and about me being the camera guy. I'm like, yeah, I wish I got a dollar for every time that got downloaded on YouTube oh, because, yeah. yeah. But it was a really cool moment. He looks at me and he goes, I am who I am. I'm like, hey, that's Popeye's line. He's like, yeah, you got it, man. And this is something that, you know, me and my therapist always joked about. I'm like, I, I, I am Popeye, you know. I am who I am. I, uh, I'm not going to hide from that anymore. And that's sort of yeah. what being vulnerable is all about. It's sort of like, you, just, you are who you are. You're not going to hide yeah. from it, you know. And I think when you're real and when when I see images like this one that I'm looking at right now, yeah, you're real. I mean, that's you. You're not being anything yeah, other than you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other one the f funny was the yeah. this way. To me, it was not taken in Hollywood, but it reminded me of Hollywood, like someone like Joan Rivers. Like, <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Because I'm not like, trying to do a, port a, a classic yeah, portrait. Yeah. I'm just trying to capture a moment. Yeah. You know, so so to call these portraits, I don't know. Yeah, I guess. Moments of time. Yeah. 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 I love this one, too, because that really spoke to me about how you were sort of like talking about the way you sort of imbibe a character and the way you sort of like not only bring up your own stuff into it, but try to, you know, be truthful to, you know, what that person meant mm -hmm. to you. So, yeah. And then you're putting on the makeup. So I'm like, oh, it's like a mask thing kind of yes. going on here. But there's still because the only thing that's in focus is that one eye. And that's what yeah. I really liked about that. That yeah. is really cool. Yeah. yeah. And then this is you right after that, you know, and it was like a really retrospective kind of moment. And I think this was one of the original ones that I posted. Yes. And then a, a lot of my people liked that one because they felt like it was just such a, a real yeah. moment. Exactly. Exactly. And that's. Like I said, it's like when I do this work and I'm looking at the images, I try to arrive at the ones that really, really speak to me. Um, <laughs> and then there's those. I mean, that spoke yeah, to me, but, you know, it's 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 a nice little moment. You know, yeah. it's these little moments in time. I mean, even that one, you know, that really just show a person, you know. I mean, even that one, you know, it's, yeah. it, I can't, I can't tell you what it is because it's more of a feeling. It's yeah, like, yep, yeah. that's the one. That's the one it's yeah. yeah. Here's another one that kind of really, yeah, that's a good one to me. It just, cause it's not posed at all. Um, it's not, but I did, it was funny as we were talking, I knew where the light was and I kept being <laughs> like aware and you're like, yeah, I know. You said that cause you know, the, it's funny. I feel like on set, the person that I have the most, it's it, intimate relationship with, uh, professionally is not the director most of the time it's the dp because you're seeing things like most a lot of people aren't paying attention or they're not really seeing things like you really see like when we're changing intention or or putting a feeling out there or giving something really authentic the first person who sees it is the dp 
but the director might not be paying attention to that specific aspect of what we're doing. But the DP always knows. I feel like the DP knows who's who's a really good actor on set. <laughs> <laughs> who's, who's full of shit. Well, that's something that's something I can I can kind of speak to because yeah, there's certain directors that I've worked with in the past that lean on me for that kind of, that's yeah. why I'm, and I didn't realize that at the time or, or, or back then, but now I realize it more. It's like, yeah, they're just sort of like, they know intuitively. They look at me and like, what'd you think of that shot? I'm like, I thought that performance was amazing. You know what I mean? Cause it's sort of like, they can look at all the other things, the interactions, the way the camera is moving. Is it in, is, is this type of motion going with uh, what the feeling that we're trying to, yeah. you know, capture here are. You know, because movie making, photography, everything, it's a very metaphoric thing. We try to, unfortunately, manipulate the wrong kind of word to use, but there's no other better word to explain it. But we're using our tools to manipulate the viewer into feeling certain things. Yeah, sorry, I can go on and no, tell no, you stories no, about that. And I'm like, and like, why is Frozen 2 like a musical? Anyway, but that's a whole other thing. They've made it like a stage show. Anyway, but I was like, what do you mean? Why are you, the magic of movie making is to help us. Well, the, the other side of it is, is that when a beautiful moment occurs, people resonate towards it, whether it's a beautiful shot, a beautiful performance, a beautiful line. And we're all we're all doing this. We all you can't handle the truth. You know, we all know those beautiful moments in movies that were mama always said, you know, boxes. Mm -hmm. Life is like a box full of chocolate. You know, yeah. we love these characters and we love these shots and all these feelings. And when that needs to be sort of like duplicated because there's a section of the industry that thinks that if it's duplicated, we can capitalize on it. You know, it's like the whole Facebook thing. Facebook didn't have ads. Why? Because ads aren't cool. You know what I mean? It's the same thing. You know, it's sort of like, how do we how do we milk a moment? I'm so glad Casablanca 2 hasn't been made, you know what I mean? Or a remake of that. You know, and I get it. Uh, we all need work and we all need to find ways to sort of like pay the bills and send our kids to school. But to take like a beautiful moment and try to like create another beautiful moment similar to it. You can't you know? really do it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You can take inspiration from, but yeah, it's, you have to make a new moment. Right. That's the thing. Right. Uh, hopefully new moments happen. And there's been some sequels that are good. Yeah. So I have a question from one of my, unless there's anything else. No, no. I mean, it's just a couple more, you know. Another you know, retrospective, you know, just these these little moments where, you know, tentative. Yeah. <laughs> Ecuador. Yeah. 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 I think we touched on all the, the really nice moments from our conversation. Yeah. Well, I love the one with me feeling like Joan Rivers. And some reason, it's something about just this like Hollywood. <laughs> right, right. Hello. <laughs> Hello. The I'm here. Show yeah, it was yeah. like very show. I'm going to ask you a question of one of my characters. We'll have a conversation, a lot of conversation, but uh, she'll just ask you a little bit about vulnerability. I'm trying to think which one would be fun to bring up right now. So I hear you, Richard. Like I hear, it's just Queens Marie here. Okay. So I'm hearing you talk about like, you gotta be vulnerable, like show people like the real you. But what if you're surrounded by stupid motherfucking piece of assholes? Okay. Like every day, all day long, like I just have these people, you know, like try to like, you know, like slide into my DMs on Instagram. Like, who are you? Like, get away from me. You know, and like people, you go outside your house and people are like, you know, sneezing and coughing on you. That's right. D-bag coronavirus spreaders. You know, like you go outside and you're sick, scumbag. You know, like people do things all the time that's like not nice. And I just wonder, like in this world, when it's like dog eat dogs, like how can you be vulnerable? 
<laughs> I don't know. I can only speak from my own experience is that the more you hustle, the more you try to be someone you're not, the more you associate with people who are hustlers and being people that they're not, you know, the more craziness, the more drama you're going to have in your life. So you got to take a serious look at the people you associate with and the people who are in your life and why they are in your life. Is it because of a need or a want in something? That's interesting. You know, I almost think like maybe this tip, if I associated with nicer people, does that mean that I can finally get a boyfriend? <laughs> is that what we're talking about? Well, maybe. It depends what you mean nice is. I mean, real is the word you should be looking it's for. It's so hard, you know, because I like nice, but then I also like juicy, like abs and like, you know, nice, plumpy, nice, plumpy, plumpity, plump, hard arms. You know right. We all do, don't we? You know, we all we all have those things that get our freaking juices flowing. But, you know, in the end, the more honest you are about that, then that's what you'll associate with. You know, I don't know. You send energy out and you get energy back, you know, so you hustle more, you get hustled back. So I just got to be like, maybe it's just on a website for like, you're like, you're like a juicy, like Guido, Guidat, and you're nice. Okay. Yeah. Juicyvulnerable.com. Yes. There we go. Juicyvulnerable. <laughs> Juicynice.com. Yes. Or you can just call, call my salon if you're like a juicy Guido, just like Guido. Like I'm the number one neighborhood esthetician. So right. Like, online. You probably know this because of the people you talk to, people come into your salon, you know, you have those real conversations, right? It's true, but they're women, and I just don't like the puss. I tried. It just didn't work for me. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard for the men. I don't know. Well, I'm not saying about relationships, but practicing the way you are, you know, being vulnerable, talking to your customers and the people that you make up, do the same thing with maybe guys, and yes. maybe you find a nice guy. Maybe the nice women will have brothers. What? Nice brother. Maybe love a nice brother or something. Okay, we can help. Thank you so much, Richard. I really appreciate it. All right, I gotta go do another facial. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Queen's Marie. Um, she tries hard. Um, <laughs> so now, Richard, where can people find out about your work? <laughs> right now, unfortunately, it's 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 there's the Instagram page and there's a Facebook page, Vulnerability Photo Project as well. And I'm hoping there's going to be another exhibit soon. I'm putting that together, hopefully in August. I'm working with some other really incredible, talented folks right now, sort of like helping them with sort of similar projects. I have a book that I did from the first year that's out. It's on Amazon. It's really expensive. So just contact me if you want to see a copy of that because it's cheaper if you get it through me. And yeah, I guess now that I have eight weeks of nothing to do, maybe I should attempt to create a website around it. <laughs> but the problem is, and this is the problem is about the project, it's not a marketable thing in my eyes. I have to like find people wanting to find me. People have to want to do this. I can't kind of like force it. That's why social media kind of works because it's like this, this sort of like sect of people that have already liked it. They've already joined the conversation. So it's easier to reach out and say, Hey, would you be interested? Because I know you're already somewhat interested. And that's why, um, like the show at the tea room, uh, was great because there was a, a lot of people that just happened into that place and were really moved by the individuals who I photographed. There was about a dozen people that came out of that show that were really affected by mm -hmm. one 
or more of the images that were there. And the nice thing about the random tea room show, it was three months. So I was able to swap images out to, to have a little bit more variety. Very cool. Well, um, we'll be looking for your website. And obviously, like, you can always look at Lauren Logie on Instagram. And I will obviously let everyone know when you're having a show. Yeah, awesome. It's going to be super fun. Awesome. Great. All right. So thank you, Richard. Thank you. Okay. Thank you for the time and the space. <laughs> there we go. So, Melania, you're on the line. Does this encourage you, this interview, to take more photographs where you look like something more than just a robot? Melania? Oh, sorry, my system was just booting up. <sighs> For the rest of us, let's think about this. It's possible to bring vulnerability in the online space so people can go offline and have more empathy for others. When you are vulnerable in one spot of your life, it will translate in a very positive way into other aspects of your life. And Queen Marie here, oh, I'm just butting in, okay, I just gotta, I gotta say something. I want you to think about that the world might seem like it's just full of stupid motherfucking bitchy assholes. And you know, many people are, but concentrate on finding those people who are like, not. Thanks, Queensy. All right, so let me know what you think. Now, before we go into the I don't care to you segment, I'd like to do two things. First, I want to encourage you to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It really, really helps other people find us. Second, I want to tell you that you can follow Reconcile the Isle on my Twitter and Instagram at Lauren Logi, L-O-G-I. And do consider signing up at laurenlogi.com slash podcast to get all the free stuff from me and my guest. This episode, we're presenting all of the visuals that we spoke about in this conversation. It's in the VIP group. Sign up. It's free and you'll get them. Also on my website, you can find out about some other exciting things going on. My book, Inside Melania, What I Learned About Melania Trump by Impersonating Her, is coming out June 14th. Woohoo! And we'll be on tour with the Melania Trump Roadshow, Get Out the Boat, Get Me Out of the White House of Garbage, sometime before the election. Listen, we have to learn how to have public dialogue again. The world's on fire and we've got to talk about it. And there's no better way to understand the importance of this by reading the headlines. So, Melania, give us the top headlines in the I Don't Care Do You segment. Here's all the things that I don't care do you about. Unemployment is the highest since the Great Depression. JCPenney files for bankruptcy. And my Donald has never-ending vendetta against Obama. And he is getting Justice Department involved. But <laughs> I don't care. Do you? Thank you to everyone who has made this podcast possible. Thank you to Sophia Reyes-Jones for editing, to Devin Edwards for creating the intro, Christopher Catalano for the voiceover, Maddie McLennan for making the podcast start, and a shout out to Alan Waters, Danny Holt, and Craig Franson, who helped me to conceptualize this podcast. And of course, thank you to Richard Gretzinger for being such a wonderful guest. See you in two weeks. <laughs>